Well, I've been anxious to have our speaker tonight, Dr. Jonathan Falwell, come and preach to us and be in our be with us here at Colonial and be in our evening service. Actually, uh, we've been trying for a couple of years to get him. He pastors, as you know, Thomas Road Baptist Church. He had served as an associate pastor under his father, Jerry Falwell. He had been there from about 1995 to 2007 as an associate pastor. And then as his father went to heaven in 2007, he became the senior pastor. The church there runs about 11,000 in attendance on a Sunday morning. They have over 300 Sunday schools and ABFs. And so trying to pry the senior pastor away to be with us is a very, very difficult task. And with that kind of a schedule, uh, it's very hard to get him to work it into his schedule to be out of the pulpit. But it's been a thrill to get a response back from him saying, we can join you and this is the evening that we can do it. And so a couple of years ago that was arranged and tonight is the the evening that he can be with us. Let me tell you a little bit about Jonathan. Apart from his duties as pastor at Thomas Road Baptist Church, he serves also as vice chancellor for spiritual affairs at Liberty University. He's been teaching and doing some of that then and helping in, uh, along in the university over the years. But before joining the staff at Thomas Rhodes, he was involved in numerous business adventures. He's been an accomplished photographer. His photographs have appeared in Time Magazine, Newsweek, Washington Post, other national international magazines. He's appeared, and you may have seen him on numerous television radio programs from CNN to Fox News. And so he has had an opportunity to be an influence for Jesus Christ, both nationally and then reaching around the world. In 2008, he published his first book, One Great Truth, speaks at conferences nationwide. He's married to his wife, Sherry. They live in Lynchburg, of course. They have four children, Jonathan Jr., Jessica, Natalie, Nicholas. It's a thrill to have Dr. Jonathan Falwell with us this evening. Would you help me welcome him to Colonial Baptist Church? Man, Jonathan, God bless you, my brother. Well, it's an honor to be with you tonight, and uh, he made it sound like that, uh, you know, I've got this massive schedule, and it takes years to get me. <laughs> As I was listening to that, I said, man, that doesn't sound very good. That's, that sounds kind of bad, the way that I, but that's not the case. I only go out and, and, and speak about 10 times a year outside of uh, my home church, which, you know, I'm, I'm called to be a local pastor, and so that's what my heart is, that's what my, my passion is, and that is what I spend my time doing. And so I only go out and do about 10 things a year, and so I make that a hard and fast rule that, that I do that. And so it's not an issue that I've got all these things that I'm traveling all over the world and gone all the time. It's just that I've promised, uh, most importantly, I've promised uh, my Lord and Savior. I've promised my wife, which, which is right behind the Lord and Savior. Uh, and sometimes they get confused, I think, somehow. Uh, and, and our church, that that's what I do. And so, uh, you know, it's not that I don't want to be here. I'm thrilled to be here and excited to be at this beautiful, beautiful church, uh, incredible campus. And uh, I love what, uh, what God has done here over these last 25 years and, and uh, through Pastor Davey and through the rest of the staff that I've had the opportunity uh, to meet today. Uh, I preached this morning at Thomas Road, and then I went to lunch with my family, went to Golden Corral, which is, uh, you know, that's the, the, Baptist, uh, the Baptist buffet, and uh, 
went and, uh, and ate uh, way too much. I had chicken, and, and, and then they had this, this new chocolate chess pie at Golden Corral. It's the first time they've ever had it. And I shouldn't talk about food right now because you're going to really hate if I actually go preach now and you're going to have to wait and be hungry throughout the whole meal, but uh, through the service. But, uh, and, and so I ate uh, half, of a pe- half of a pie for lunch today. Um, and so, uh, but I, all, I put it all together in one. And so I, I just told my wife, I'm calling this one piece, if that's okay with you. And I jumped in the car and drove on down here, which is about two and a half hours. I was here yesterday, actually driving back from Myrtle Beach. I was down there for, uh, for a few, uh, few days. Uh, before the kids go back to school this week. How many of you, did school start here this week, coming week? Ne- next week? Okay. Uh, that's the worst time of year, isn't it? Do you hate school? No? How many of you that are students, how many of you don't like school? Raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you are students that you actually like school and looking forward to going back? Okay, we're going to have counseling for you guys right after the service. And uh, Dr. Burgraff, if you could uh, set that up for us, that would be, that would be great. But uh, it's great to be able to be here uh, again at this great church, uh, this beautiful, beautiful facility. And, uh, but more importantly for me, it's great to be here uh, in this series, Seeing the Hand of God in dot, dot, dot. I know that's the, the, the theme and, and kind of applies to anything. You know, you could see the hand of God in that chocolate chest pie that I had uh, earlier today. Um, but tonight I want to talk about uh, the hand of God through the call of God on your life. Because every one of us here, we we have a purpose. Uh, We have a plan. God has done something in us and through us and wants to do something with us to reach out to this community, for those of you here in the, in the Raleigh and, and uh, Cary, Durham area, that he wants to do something with you here that is bigger and better and more than you can ever possibly imagine. It's bigger than yourself. That's what God wants to do through you. And it's important to know that God is not going to be able to do that in you and through you until you begin to truly see, experience, and to grasp hold of, to, to, to hold tightly to the hand of God leading you along the way. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, you know, I know in this area there's lots of different uh, uh, organizations and corporations, businesses, and certainly uh, lots of schools that are in this area and colleges and those kinds of things. And so uh, I'm sure that uh, many of you who probably are involved in some of those uh, businesses and things throughout this community uh, are familiar with the uh, mission statements. That's something that, uh, that schools have, that businesses have, that churches have. It's, uh, it's what drives you. In fact, if you look up uh, the statement, the, the, the definition of the word mission Uh, In the dictionary, what it tells you is it is the business that you have been tasked with. In other words, it is your job. This is what God expects of you as a Christian as a mission statement in your life that we're going to share tonight and talk with you about. But all of us have a, a mission. We have a purpose. Now, unfortunately, I know this is true in my church and and it's probably true in this church as well that there are times when we miss our mission, when we miss what it is that God has called us to do or that God wants to do in and through us. We, we miss out on that whole idea of the business that we've been tasked with. Now, obviously, if you're in school, uh, you have no problem understanding the business that you're tasked with because your teachers will give you a syllabus or will give you uh, instructions, give you homework and all of those types of things. If you are in math class, uh, they will give you homework. It seems like every night about five hours. I have four kids and they come home every night. 
uh, with homework and, and they have all this math and algebra and calculus and geometry and they come to me and ask me to help them and I have absolutely no clue what they are talking. When I was in school, you added, you know, and subtracted, uh, and multiplied. And, and then on the really, you know, the tough days, it was division. Uh, and now it's all this algebra and calculus stuff. And now the, the, the strange thing, do we have any math teachers in here? I just want to make sure I don't tick anybody off. Anybody? Good. Okay, good. Um, that now actually when, when some of the math homework that they're doing, they don't even want the right answer. They, they come home with homework and they'll say, Dad, I need your help with this, this problem. And so I'll look at the problem and I'll do the math and I'll tell them the answer. And they said, no, we can't actually do the answer. We just have to, to estimate the answer and get close. We can't actually put the answer. I was like, well, what kind of math is that? I mean, you know, it, it's this idea that uh, for some reason we, we, we don't want the right answers anymore. We want, you know, somewhere in the ballpark. Well, unfortunately, a lot of us in our Christian walks, we never actually get to the answer. We kind of end up in the ballpark. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Is that we know that God has a plan for us. We know that God has a purpose for us. We know that God wants to do something with us. But the problem is, is that we never really get to exactly what that is. We might kind of get close to it. We might actually walk down the road a little bit and then we get sidetracked and and then we get off of our mission and off of of what it is that God wants to do, our our purpose. we, We end up going in a different direction, mainly because we've decided that we can figure out how to do things on our own better than God has tasked us with. Now, we hear that statement. And we think, well, that's not true. Obviously, God knows better than I do. And obviously, God has a better plan and God has a better idea of how to do what it is that he wants me to do than I do. But the problem is, is we might say that, but we don't act like it sometimes. And I'm not preaching at you right now. I'm preaching with you because I'm in the same ballpark. I'm in that same boat. That there are times that, that, I, that I know there are things that I need to be doing and that I know there are things that God wants me to do. But the problem is that sometimes I sit down and I try to figure out how to do them and I come up with great plans and great ideas and, and great strategies of how I want to do this and how I want to carry this out. And then I fall flat on my face and I fail miserably. Why? Because I didn't spend time going back to God and saying, God, okay, how do you want me to do it? God, I need you to direct me and guide me in this mission. And so tonight what I want to do is I just want to take a few minutes and share with you a couple of verses, maybe three or four verses, um, about how we can understand the call of God and what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. Now, at Thomas Road, at my church, Thomas Road Baptist Church, we have a mission statement there, which is a pretty simple statement. And basically it's this, is that we want to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and who love people. It's a simple phrase. It's a simple statement. We wanted it short. We wanted it concise so that people could grab a hold of it, that they could memorize it, remember it, and, and quote it back to me if I ever happened to ask them that question of what our mission statement is. But we, we didn't sit around someday and have this long conversation, a, you know, a strategy session of coming up with what our mission statement should be. What we decided to do is we decided to go back to the Word of God and find out, okay, was there a statement that Christ gave us as a mission statement And if he did, then that's the statement we want our church mission statement to be. And what we did is we ended up in Matthew 28. We ended up in Mark chapter 16. And when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he said, go into all the nations, make disciples of all the nations. 
There's no question when you go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, we know this. We talk about our mission statement at Thomas Road to change our world. I can tell you today that there is only one way to change the world, and that is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We get so caught up sometimes in government and politics and and business and, and all of those kind of things. I'm telling you, this country and this world will never be changed by the White House or by the Capitol or by the United Nations or any other government on the face of the earth. The world will only be changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? That is how we change our world. It goes on to say, by being Christ followers and developing Christ followers. Well, he said, go into all the nations, make disciples of all the nations. That's being a Christ follower. And then love God and love people. Remember in the passage of Scripture when when Jesus was asked the question, what is the most important commandment? Of all the laws and all the commandments, all the things that we find in the Old Testament in those days when they asked that question, what is the most important one, Jesus? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, he said, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's where we got our mission statement, to change our world, to preach the gospel. To, to, uh, by, by being Christ followers, and that is by making disciples of all the nations, and then to love God and love people. It's to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors ourselves. If we can do that, can you imagine what that will do in changing our community? I mean, think about it for a minute. If everybody in this church, everybody sitting in this room tonight, if we took it upon ourselves that in everything that we do, in the way that we live, in the way that we act, in the way that we treat others, what we're going to do is we are going to go about that business every single day that we want to change our world. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about our world. If you're a student, that means your school. If you're a business person, it means your job. If you're a pastor here at the church, it means your ministry here. If you're a Sunday school teacher, it means their ministry there. That we will change our world and we'll do that by we're going to be focusing on being a true follower of Christ. And above all, we're going to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're going to love everybody as ourselves. Can you imagine what that would do in this church? Can you imagine what that would do in this community? How it would change, how it would transform the people of this community? And if every church did that, if all the churches in the Raleigh and the Durham, the Cary area, if all the churches in my area, if we all decided to do that and live that way and truly carry it out, it would transform our nation. It would transform the world. Well, listen, that's what Jesus wants us to do. If you've got your Bibles with you tonight, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, I want to share with you just a couple of verses. When we talk about understanding the hand of God in, in, in following after him of understanding the hand of God in our lives and his leading, his direction, and how he wants us to go, what he wants us to do. We kind of have to go back to the beginning, really. We have to go back to kind of the genesis of of what it truly means to be called by Christ, to be called by God. In Mark chapter 1, it's probably one of the best passages, I think, in all of Scripture that gives us some pretty clear statements of what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be called out, to be singled out as someone that God wants to use. In Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, I want to read this passage, and then I want to spend a little bit of time tonight kind of sharing with you uh, some thoughts from this passage. In Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, it says it this way, and as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, this is Christ, he one day was walking down the beach there at the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, 
follow me. Two simple words, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and they followed him. Now, we have to set the stage and understand what took place here. Here are two guys who were going about their normal everyday business. They were literally going out to do today what they had done yesterday and the, the day before that because all their job was is to go out and go fishing. Does that sound pretty good to you, some of you people out here? Wouldn't you love that's your job? That you, that was a professional, just go out and I'm going to fish today. That's how I'm going to make my living. And some of us go fish every day and we don't make a dime. But these guys, that's what they did. This was their job. This is how they lived to go out and fish every day. And so they're there, they're getting things ready. They're doing all the things that they need to do to, uh, in order to go out and to do what they needed to do to survive, to live. That's their job. And then this guy walks down the beach, walks next to them and just simply looks at them and makes a simple statement. Follow me. And that passage says they dropped everything, that they left it all and they just walked after, followed after, took off after him. They walked away from everything that they knew. They walked away from everything that they were comfortable with. They stepped out of their comfort zone. And they followed after the one who, who had called them, who had said, follow me. And he said, I'll make you become fishers of men. This passage, I want to look at a couple of words in this passage. One thing that I like to do uh, in the scriptures when I study the word of God is I like to look at simple words that oftentimes when we read them because of uh, in our English language and our vernacular, we kind of skip over the words because they're not that important. Uh, words that are real simple, words that we use all the time. I like to, to look at simple words in the scriptures to see if in the word of God and the original languages, are, re- are they really that simple? Are they just the simple kind of words that we use or do they mean a lot more? And so tonight what I want to do is I want to, to look at some of these words to help us kind of get a picture of what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to truly grab a hold of the hand of God as he leads us down the path that he wants us to go. And so in this passage, when we talk about the things that we've got to understand about being a follower of Christ, there there are kind of three simple ideas here that I think are imperative for all of us to understand, uh, for us to to get a hold of uh, in this idea of following after Christ. I'm assuming tonight that most, if not all of you here, uh, are are followers of Christ, are believers who've given your life to, to Jesus Christ, have understood Romans chapter 10, that you believe in your heart, confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was raised from the dead. Romans ten thirteen. you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. I'm going to assume that, that most of you, if not all of you here tonight, have done that. But sometimes it's good to kind of go back to that original moment, that moment when your life changed because of faith in Jesus Christ. I remember I was six years old. And at the church that I was attending, where I went to church, I was sitting over here on a Sunday night, just like this. There was a guest speaker in who was speaking that night. And I was sitting about six or seven rows back with some friends. And and I remember that he preached a sermon that night. And the sermon was entitled, All My Friends Are Dead. Now, as a child, that that sermon's going to get your attention. When you hear that statement, you're going to want to listen. You know, why is this guy so unlucky? 
And so I sat there that night and I actually paid attention on a Sunday night as a young child listening to all that this preacher had to say. And what he had to say was this, is because of the choices that he had made when he was younger, the life that he lived involved in drugs and alcohol and all kinds of things that the people that he hung around with, the the people that he would cling to in his relationships and, and who he did life with during that time, that all of them were either physically dead because of drugs or because of what they had done, or at least spiritually dead because of the choices that they made and the direction that they've gone and how that he recognized that and God had plucked him out of that situation and had called him and he had answered the call and he had come to Jesus Christ and he had spent his entire life from that moment forward telling others about Christ, telling others about how if you stay in this life, it's going to mess you up, but how if you come to Christ and allow him to transform you into a new creation, how everything changes. And I remember that night as I heard that sermon, listened to what he had to say, I was convicted even as a young child. And I wasn't involved in drugs or alcohol. I was six years old. But I remember that night God convicted me all the same and I stood up and I walked down that aisle. My dad, the pastor, was actually, he was down on the floor uh, leading that night and and I came down after the service that night and walked up to my dad and said, Dad, I want to get saved. And he led me to the Lord. I remember that night as if it were yesterday because it was a powerful moment. It was, a, it was an incredible moment in my life. It literally changed the course of my life. Sometimes it's good to go back to those original moments, those original times when, when everything changed. And so tonight, I just want to spend some time talking about the original moment of what that call was like and, and what it means to follow after Christ, what it means to literally uh, be turned completely around, a 180-degree change, a turn from where you were to where God wants you to be. And there's three things out of this passage that I want to point out that are necessary, imperative, if we're going to truly follow after Christ, be Christ followers. The first one is this. It always requires a call of God. It always requires a call from God to be a Christ follower. In this passage, we already shared it. We already read it tonight. Jesus was walking along the beach that night. He, he looked over and he saw Simon and Andrew and he simply made the statement, follow me. Now, those of us today, we know that if Jesus happened to walk in this room, if he walked into this door and walked across the, the front of this auditorium and looked out across the people in this room and looked at all of us and said, I want you to follow me. What would probably happen is most of us, if not all of us, would get up off of our seats right now. We would come down here and we would go wherever it is that Jesus wanted to take us. That, that would, it would truly be a, a powerful moment, knowing what we know about Christ, knowing what we know about Jesus. If he did that tonight, that, that he would call us, we would go. But we say, you know what, that's not going to happen. What happened to Simon and Andrew, it doesn't really happen to us because, well, Jesus hasn't really called us. Yes, he has. The way that Jesus has called us is one day, 2,000 years ago, he stretched his arms out on a cross and he allowed himself to be executed. He allowed himself to be killed for your sins and for my sins. And when he did that, that was literally an invitation to every single one of us. That was a call from God for all of us. The Bible tells us, you probably know this passage, you probably heard it, I'm sure, from this very pulpit, that God is not willing that any should perish. Have you heard that statement before? You've probably heard another verse of Scripture. It's found in, in the third uh, chapter of John, verse 16. Have you ever heard that one before? 
Of course you have. That's a call from God. When Jesus died on the cross, it was as if he were looking directly into your eyes and he was saying, follow me. That's what Jesus did when he died. Now, I told you a few moments ago, I like to look at words that are simple words to kind of get a a meaning, an understanding of what those words really mean, to see those simple words in our language, in our vernacular, actually have a totally different or a much deeper meaning in the scriptures. And this word follow is exactly one of those. The word follow is the Greek word dute. Now, dute, that word, the Greek word means follow, but it means in a little bit different situation. It means this. If you look it up in in, in a Greek dictionary, it says this. Follow me right now. Come immediately. Do not hesitate. Do not wait. Do not think about anything else. Do not do anything else. Immediately follow after me. That's what Jesus said. It wasn't a statement like maybe you and I would do if we walked up to some friends and said, hey, listen, if you want to, you can go with me to dinner. You want to go to dinner? And then we contemplate it. We think about it and say, "Ah, you know, maybe some other time. It's not that kind of an invitation. The invitation that Jesus gave was an invitation. He looked at Simon. He looked at Andrew and said, listen, you follow me. You come right now. Do not do anything else. It was not only a call to follow. It was a powerful call. It was an immediate call. And when Jesus literally stretched his arms out on that cross, it's the same thing that he did for us. Calling us to follow after him now. You probably have heard preachers at some point in the past make the statement that, well, you know, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You might walk out of this room. You might get in a car accident. You might, you might die tonight. You know, don't wait. Don't wait. That's not what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was saying was far more waiting than that. He was saying, literally, you can't afford not to follow me right now, is what Jesus was saying. He made that statement. Come now with no hesitation. Run after me. And it's important for us to understand that in the call that Christ has put on every single one of us, When we talk about the hand of God leading us, we talk about the hand of God reaching out for us. It's not something that we can contemplate. It's not something that we should spend time thinking about. It's not something that we should spend some period of time evaluating whether we want to do it or not. Oh, no, no. It's Jesus saying, right now, follow me. Immediately, come to me. To be a Christ follower, there's always got to be a call. And there has been a call for every single one of us, every person that has ever lived, every person that will ever live. God has called, but it goes beyond that. The second element that is vital to to being a Christ follower, to truly understanding what it means to follow after Christ, is this, is that there has to be the leading of, the guiding hand of God in our lives. Because here's what happens. What happens so often is that we begin to go about our situation even after we understand that we've been called by God and maybe even after we have given our lives to God, we've made a decision for Christ and then we begin living our life trying to figure out how to do it on our own. We begin walking our own path, trying to figure out what it means to be a follower of Christ. We, we try to do it all on our own. And we've seen that, unfortunately, in a lot of churches. 
We, we've seen that, unfortunately, in a, in, in a lot of pastors and some that you might see on television or, or that you might read about. They, they make this statement that, you know, it really is not all that important, that, that as long as we all have the right heart, as long as we're all working to the same thing, you know, we're working to the same heaven, we're working to the same God, we're just taking different paths. Well, that's not at all what is true. John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Which means this, that if we are truly going to be all that God wants us to be, we have to be led by God all the way. The guiding hand of God has got to be on our lives. In fact, if you look in this passage again, uh, some other simple words that mean a great deal. After Jesus said, follow me, he then went on to say, I will make you become fishers of men. Now, that's an important statement because I remember when I was in Sunday school as a little child, I remember this story. And I remember as a Sunday school teacher was talking to me and and teaching us in that class. And and I think there was even a song about it. Follow me and you'll be fishers of men. Follow me and to be fishers of men. That's not what Jesus said. What Jesus said is, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He didn't say, follow me and you will be right now. He didn't say, follow me and you will automatically be fishers of men. He said, follow me and I will make you become. And it's important to understand those two words there, make and become. Because when you look in the passage of scripture in the original Greek, the word make is the word poieo. It's a Greek word, poieo. And what that word literally means is to produce to develop, to craft, or to shape. And so when Jesus looked at Simon and Andrew, when he told them to walk away from everything that they know, to walk away from everything that they were comfortable with, to walk away from everything that that they had experienced and all that they knew to do to live, he said, follow me, and I'm going to produce in you something that goes beyond anything that you can ever imagine. That next word, become, The next word become is the the Greek word genomai, which literally is the idea of maturing, of developing, the idea of a little baby. I've got four kids. I shared with you that earlier. Uh, Four children that, 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 man, I love to death. And I remember, man, one of the greatest moments in my life was was when uh, I I came home that first time from the hospital with my first son, my, my, my youngest child, my oldest child, when when he came home from the hospital for the first time and I'm holding that little baby, it's a beautiful picture of this little child. Man, I just love him to death. He's 16 years old now. Just got his driver's license not long ago. Listen to this. This is great for you young people who are getting ready or just got your driver's license. He got his driver's license and that day he had an accident. He ran into the driver's ed car. You can't make this stuff up. It's beautiful. It has nothing to do with the sermon. I just love telling that story. <laughs> He's 16 years old now, but I remember when he was a little child. When, when Jesus was talking to Simon and Andrew, he said, listen, follow after me, and I will produce in you something that will be amazing, that will mature you in your walk with me, that will develop you, that will change you, that will transform you into something that is radical, that goes beyond anything that you could possibly imagine. I don't know about you. But I want that in my life, don't you? Don't you want Christ to do that in your life? To take you from where you are now and to, to mature you, to grow you up into something that is, that is unbelievable, that, that goes beyond anything that you can imagine? That's what Jesus 
was saying. He, he looked at them, and when he said those words, I will make you become poieo genomai, I will take you and craft you. I will shape you. I will develop you. I will do a work in you, the, the hand of God on your life, and I will make you into something that goes beyond anything that you can imagine. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that so many of us who follow after Christ, who, who walk with Christ, we try to do it on our own. You see, the way that God develops us today, the way he matures us today, the way he does it now in our lives, Jesus obviously was there in person with Simon and Andrew. He was with them every day. But the way that God does it now is through his word that we read every day. It's through times of prayer when we're talking to him and hearing from him. It's through getting together like this in churches and, and, and doing life together and growing together and learning the word of God together. And we develop, we mature, we become all that God wants us to be rather than simply listening to someone that doesn't know how to get us there. And usually that's ourselves. I've told you I've got four kids and a couple of years ago, we went, to, uh, we went to the beach. And the one thing that my kids wanted to do is they wanted to go uh, and, and do the zip line. Have anybody ever done a zip line? Yeah, I mean, they're fun. They're awesome. And man, my kids wanted to do this, and they got the brochures out of the, the lobby of the hotel, and they were all excited about it. And so we, we decided one day when the weather wasn't that great, it wasn't that, that sunny, that we'd go and do the zip line that day. And so we, we called and we signed up for it and they, they came to pick you up in the hotel lobby with a bus and we walked out and we got on the, the bus and we rode about 45 minutes or even maybe an hour to get to the, where the zip lines were. And this was one of these zip lines in the woods, in the mountains. It went like eight different tracks. You know, you went from top and then this one and the next one. You kept going all the way down to get to the bottom. And man, it looked awesome. It was incredible. I had my camera. I love taking pictures. Uh, uh, the, the pastor shared that with you a few moments ago. And I love taking photographs. So I had my camera because I wanted to get pictures of all my kids doing zip lines for the first time. So we got there, we got off the bus and they took us into this small little area, like, like about right here. And we sat down there and a guy got up and began explaining to us all the safety issues, all the measures that we had to take. We had to wear helmets and, and he talked to us about the harnesses that we were going to wear and, and the gloves that we had to wear to make sure that we didn't, you know, burn our hands on, on the wires and, and he talked to us about how to slow down and, and all those things that we needed to know to safely do this. And so he spent about 45 minutes talking to us about all the things that we needed to do. Of course, as we're sitting there, my kids, they just wanted to get on the zip line. They wanted to go. They didn't care about safety. That's my problem, not theirs. They just wanted to go. But for 45 minutes, this guy's talking about all the safety things. And then he gets to the spot. He says, okay, now, now it's time to go ahead and, and, and get our harnesses and get our helmets and get our gloves. And so they took us from that spot over to another spot. And there they began fitting the harnesses and, and, and making sure they were on right and tightening them down. And that's not a pleasant experience. And, 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 and then they gave us the helmets. They put the helmets on our heads. They got all the gloves and we got all those things. And so now we're ready. Now it's, it's time to go to the zip line. And so we began climbing up to the top of this tower. And we walked step after step after step and finally got to the top of this tower. And, and, and I was thrilled that they had a zip line to come down because I wasn't doing those stairs again. But we got to the top of the zip line, man, and my, my oldest son, Jonathan, he was, uh, I think, 14 at the time, and he was excited. He wanted to go first. And so 
you know, he went up there and the guy helped him right at the edge of the, of the tower and they hooked him up. He had to kind of stand up a little bit and they hooked him up. And I'm leaning over, you know, dangerously leaning over to get pictures, you know. And so and all of a sudden, man, he's ready to go. And the guy says, okay, go. And he takes off. Now I take like 50 shots, you know, going as he takes off going down through the zip line there. And then my daughter, Jessica, who's a year younger than, than Jonathan, it was her turn and she wanted to go. So she walks up there. Man, they hook her up. I'm doing the same thing, taking picture after picture. And man, she zooms off and she's gone. My daughter, Natalie, who, who is one of the, I've got twin uh, boy and girl twins that, that, are, that are now 12. They were nine or so at the time. And, and so Natalie wanted to go. She's a daredevil. I mean, she's crazy. She is, she's, you know, she's hyper. She runs up there, man. And she couldn't, you know, they couldn't reach the hook the, because the she was so small. And so she's jumping, you know, trying to get up there. They, so finally they lifted her up. They hooked her up. I'm getting pictures. She's gone. She zooms away. My wife, Sherry, goes up and they hook her up and she's gone. And then it's time for my youngest, for Nicholas. And uh, Nicholas is my buddy. He, he's, he's, uh, he, he's, he's awesome, but he, he's not quite as, uh, as, as ambitious or rambunctious as the other kids. And so he walks over to the edge, and it's about a, a 40 or 50-foot drop, maybe even more than that. He walks over, and he looks down, and the guy says, okay, now I'm going to lift you up and hook you up, and then we're going to go. And he says, okay. So the guy lifted him up and hooked him up to the wire. And, 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 and I looked over. I said, okay, Nicholas, I'm going to get pictures. And so I'm leaning over now with my camera. And the guy's over here and he's getting ready to push off. And right before he pushes Nicholas off, Nicholas says, I'd stop. I'm not going. <laughs> he says, take, take me down. So the guy says, no, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. No, get me down. And I, I'm over a few feet away. And I said, Nicholas, listen, it's completely safe. The 45 minutes, we, he explained all the stuff, how it's completely safe and how they do everything. It's going to be absolutely fine. Not an issue, not a problem. Don't worry about it. He says, no, dad, I'm not going. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you come on over here and I'll talk to you a little bit about it. So we got him down. I took him over in the corner and I explained to him again, listen, it's going to be fine. It's going to be safe. You're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. You saw your sister do it. It's going to be, you know, I use that line. It's going to be great, man. It's going to blow you away how awesome this is. It's okay. I'll do it. I'll do it, dad. So we took him back over. We lifted him up and hooked him up one more time. And then the guy is getting ready to, to push him off again. And right before he's getting ready to push him off, you know, he gets there and he's getting ready to go. And then Nicholas screams again, stop, I'm not doing it. I said, Nicholas, we just talked about it. He said, no, I'm not doing it. So the guy took him down again and I took Nicholas over the corner, another five minute pep talk, trying to explain to him how it's fine and it's safe. And I was going through all the procedures the guy was telling him and, you know, before at the, at the, uh, the safety talk, and I went through all of those things to explain to him, to make sure that he knew that it was completely fine. And so finally Nicholas said, okay, dad, I'll do it just this one time. So we took him over. We, we took him over and the guy lifted him up again and hooked him up to that wire. And I said, okay, this is great. And so he's got a smile on his face now, man, we're set. So I'm leaning over, getting ready to get the pictures. And the guy's getting there ready to take him and getting ready to push him. And right as he's getting ready to push him off the edge, Nicholas says, stop, I'm not going. At this point, I wanted to push him off without the harness. I said, Nicholas, dude, we explained it to you. It's completely safe. The line is backed up now. They're getting mad. The man's over here and he says, listen, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to take you down and I can't give you a refund. Nicholas says, I don't care. It's not my money. It's his. He says, I'm not going. And, and then that guy leaned over into Nicholas's ear and whispered something for about 10 seconds or maybe less than that. And Nicholas said, okay. And the guy pushed him and he's gone. I didn't even get pictures because my camera was still hanging down. I didn't even lift. He's gone. He's going out there. He's screaming, laughing, having a great time, going all the way across. I'm like, what in the world? 
So I, I go over, and the guy hooks me up, and I, man, I'm going to go over and find out what in the world's going on. So I, I jump off and take off across there. I get across to the other side, and Nicholas is over there with a huge smile on his face. And I, I get there, and I unhook the harness. I said, Nicholas, what in the world happened? I mean, well, why in the world did you go? And he said, well, you know, the, the, the guy leaned over. I said, what did the guy tell you? He said, the guy told me he was going to be okay. I said, Nicholas, I, 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 I talked to you for 25 minutes over in that corner explaining to you that it was going to be fine, that it was safe, that it was going to be okay, that you were going to love it. Well, then why didn't, you just li- why didn't you listen to me? Why did, why did you have to listen to him? And why did only he have to say it's going to be okay and you believed him and you went? And Nicholas said, well, that's because that guy knows what he's talking about. In our walk with Christ, so often that story is a picture of what we do. Because we listen to everybody and everything, including ourselves, telling us about all of the things that we need to do in order to be a follower of Christ. And the only problem is oftentimes we never listen to the one who knows what he's talking about. We don't open that book to find out what God wants to say to us. We don't spend time in prayer to find out what it is that God wants to to do in our lives. We, We do everything but. I'm telling you tonight, you cannot truly be a Christ follower to accomplish the things that God wants to do in you unless the guiding hand of God is leading you along the way. So we've got to have the call from God. We we have to have the guiding hand of God. But the third thing, and probably the most important, is there has to be a change of heart. There has to be a change of heart. In this passage, there's one other word that I want to share with you tonight before I'm done. One simple word that in our minds doesn't really, it doesn't really mean a lot. But in this passage, it means everything. In verse 18, after Jesus had called them and said, follow me. And I'll make you become fishers of men. I will produce in you, develop you, and mature you into all that I want you to be, to to do more than anything that you could ever possibly imagine. Then it says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. The word that I want to end with tonight is this word. It's the word left. Now, does anybody here not know what the word left means? We all get that, right? Right? We know what the word left means. In fact, many of you left your home to come to church tonight, right? You, you left your homes to go to church this morning. Tomorrow morning, you'll leave your homes to, to go to work or, or to go to school or, or to go do something else. And, and then you'll come back home again. And the next day, you'll leave again. We, we, we have left our homes every day of our lives, but yet we go back to our homes. Here, the idea here is not that they left the nets with the idea that five or ten minutes later, they could turn around and go right back to the nets. The, the, the word left here is the Greek word aphiomi. And this word means something totally different than simply leaving for a moment or leaving for a period of time. What the word aphiomi means literally is a complete abandoning, a complete walking away from, forsaking, turning your back on something. Never to return again. It says here that when Jesus called them, 
when Jesus explained to them what he wanted to do in their lives, how he wanted to develop them and mature them, that they immediately turned their backs on everything that they knew. They turned their backs on everything that they were comfortable with. That they forsook everything that they knew to run after this man who had called them. Now my question for you tonight in talking about following Christ and talking about seeing the hand of God leading us along the way. The question I have for you is this. Have you left the things of the world to run after the creator of the universe? You see, in order to be a follower of Christ, there's got to be a change of heart. It can't be that we have a change and that God does something in our lives and then all of a sudden we go back and embrace the things that he saved us from. When we become saved, the whole idea of the word saved is this, is that we have been plucked out of danger, rescued from something that that was full of peril. And that is exactly what each and every one of us, what happened to us when we came to Christ, that he saved us, that he rescued us from peril. That he took us up in his arms and he he pulled us away from certain danger. The problem is the church today is full of people who have turned and walked back to that which they had turned and run from. And we wonder why we can't ever be all that God wants us to be. Seeing the hand of God in the church ought to be a natural thing. It ought to be something that not only do we expect, but we see it everywhere. But the problem today is in the church, in this church, and in my church, and every church on every street corner in every city around the world. It's not often that we see the hand of God because the people of that church haven't turned their back on the things that are away from God. So the question is, what about you? Seeing the hand of God in your life? Are you following after him in the way that Simon and Andrew did, that when he called, that that they literally dropped it all and ran after and ran to him and, 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 and didn't turn their backs on him ever again? I started this night by sharing with you What would it look like in this church if every single one of you lived by a mission statement of changing your world by following Christ and loving God and in loving people? What would it look like in this church? And I'll leave you with this. You'll never know the answer to that question until there's a change of heart. Until the things of this world are finally laid down. That you turn your back on the things of the world. And you say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's when you see the hand of God move. That's when you see lives change. 
That's when you see marriages restored. That's when you see families healed. That's when you see a community that is changed. That's when you see a church that is transformed. That's when you see lives that become all that God wants you to be. That is when you begin to see in your own life something that goes beyond anything that you could ever imagine. It's when you answer the call and you allow God to lead you, turning your back on all of the things of the old, all of the things of the past. And you stand there in the presence of a holy God and say, God, here am I. Use me. My friends, that's when you'll see the hand of God in your life, unlike anything that you can ever imagine. And tonight, that's my prayer for each and every one of you. Follow him and he will make you. He will develop you. He will mature you. He will shape you. He will craft you into a mighty warrior for God. And together, if we do that, we will change our world. We will change our community. And right here at Colonial Baptist, you'll change your church. And I pray that that's what every single one of you tonight will make the commitment to do. That's who I want to be. That's where I want to go. God, here am I. Use me. Would you pray with me tonight? Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for speaking to us through through this amazing book that you've given to us. This inspired, infallible book that changes our lives every moment, every time that we read from its pages. God, tonight we've read a passage that it talks about a call, it talks about following, it talks about you leading us. God, I just pray for the people that have gathered in this room tonight. I know people here are from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds. And some have come into this room tonight maybe bringing baggage into this room in their lives, that things that are full of heartache and pain and sorrow. and They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. They don't know where to run to because of all the things that they're dealing with. God, I pray right now that you would help each and every one of us to do like Simon and Andrew did, to just simply run to you, to drop it all, to forsake all the things, the distractions of this world, and just simply cling to you, God. Help us to do that. God, I I pray for someone in this room tonight that maybe doesn't know you as their personal Savior. There There may be someone in this room tonight who simply walked into this place and and hearing all this stuff about God and, and talking about this, this call that he has when he, when, he, when he stretched his arms out, when Jesus died on that cross. And, and they don't even know what we're talking about. God, I pray right now you'll speak to their hearts. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that if we will believe in our hearts, confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord, that he was raised from the dead, that we'll be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that if we believe that Jesus died and rose again according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. That that's where we find salvation. That's where we find hope. God, I pray that if there's someone here tonight 
that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that tonight will be the night of salvation for them. I pray that tonight will be that, that moment of realization for them when they will understand, they will see that they desperately need a Savior because they're a sinner just like me, like all of us are. All of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But God, tonight we thank you that while the wages of that sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God, tonight do that in their lives. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I know that a lot of people here, and I haven't met most of you here tonight, but I don't want to leave this place tonight without giving you the opportunity if you're here And if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, if you don't know that you know that you know, you're 100% sure that if you died tonight, that, man, you'd be standing in the presence of God, a place that Revelation 21 talks about, a place where there's no more pain and no more sorrow, no more death, no more tears, that, that that's where God has given us the ability to be if we will just simply believe faith in Christ. If you're here tonight, and maybe you are a Christian, but somewhere along the way, you kind of got off the track. You're, you started heading down the wrong road and started going back to the old ways of doing things, R- running back to the things that you maybe turned your back on when Christ called you. But now it's, you're back to the familiar. You're back to the things that, that, that you want more than you want to follow him. And maybe tonight God is speaking to you that there's, it's time for a turn. It's time for a change. First John 1 John 1.9 was written for us, you know. That passage wasn't written to an unbelieving world. First John 1, 9 was written to a believing world. Those believers, followers of Christ who've gotten off the track. And it says this, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a promise. That's what he'll do. And so you're here tonight and, and that's where you are. God is standing there with open arms ready to take you back. I'm just going to pray a prayer. There's nothing magical about the words that I say. And you're sitting there. You can pray whatever prayer that you want. But again, going back to 1 John 1, 9 is the model. If we confess it to him, he's faithful, he's just. You can count on it, he says, that he will forgive you and that he will cleanse you and he will change you. And tonight, you know what, why don't you just pray this prayer along with me if that's what you want to do. Dear Jesus, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for the power that you have shown me through the gift of your son on the cross. God, I pray that tonight, in this moment, that you would forgive me for the life that I've been living. Forgive me for the path that I've been walking, because it's been a path that's going away from you, not towards you. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that you would would forgive me for that. That, God, tonight that you would welcome me back. Lord, I want to be your child. I want to be your follower. I want to be all that you want me to be. I want you to produce in me something that goes beyond anything that I can imagine. So God, tonight, I I, I give you my, my, my life, God. Would you do that work in me again? Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you, God, for the promise that I have in you. Thank you for the hope that you show. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you and thank you for letting me be with you tonight.